Okay, before you get too comfortable, could you do me a favor? And to the person in front of you and behind you, would you just wish them a blessed Christmas, please? Blessed Christmas. Oh, fantastic. That's the first time I've seen some of you smile in the whole year. That's great. That's great. First of all, on behalf of the church, let me just thank each and every one of you for gathering together today to help us celebrate Christmas. Uh, This is a very special time of the year. It's a very special day for us. It's a special day because Christians and even non-Christians all around the world are gathered together to celebrate. Special holidays and special days like Christmas are intended to commemorate and celebrate a special event or maybe a special person. But like all special days and special holidays, over time and the passing of generations, the message and meaning of the day can get lost or forgotten. Would you agree? Amen. That's true. Sometimes, like so many special holidays, the significance of Christmas has been buried under a pile of sales receipts, sensational meals, and strength-sapping schedules of things to do, places to be, and people to see. True? True. That's what happens. It is easy to see why the message and meaning of uh, Christmas can be lost and forgotten. It is good that we gather together today and so our hearts and our souls can be refreshed with the message and meaning of Christmas. And I'm so glad that you're here today. I don't think any one of you is here by any mere accident or because you didn't have anything else to do. You probably had many things to do. But by divine appointment, God has brought you here. And I believe with all my heart that God has a special message he wants you to hear. He has some kind of special word that he wants to share with you. So I'm going to ask you in a few moments to reach back in time and let's rediscover the message and meaning of Christmas. As we do this, our prayer is that all of us will leave here full of joy and and motivated to seek and share God's gift of eternal life made possible by what Christ has done on the cross for each of us. I want you to turn your attention to the scriptures behind me on the screens and you can follow along very simply. The first thing I want to bring to your attention is the message of Christmas. I want you to notice in verse 10 of Luke chapter 2, it says this, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. The first thing you want to notice is the message of Christmas comes from who? It comes from God. You see, the Bible says that angels were the messengers and emissaries of God. All right? And whenever he had an important message to deliver, a very important message. He oftentimes used angels. He did not use all the time uh, mere men or prophets or noted teachers, 
But he, when he really had something he wanted to emphasize with an exclamation mark, he sent an angel. And so this is what happened here. This says something about our God. He's not, an, he's not impersonal. He is not aloof. He is not distant from us humans. But rather, he is a personal God who desires to communicate with us over every possible medium. He wants to communicate to you and to you and to you and to me constantly his love and care and concern for us, his grace and his mercies towards all of us. And he has done this through whether it's creation or he has done it through uh, technology. He has doing that. Just the other day, I received an advertisement over the internet, and it's from a company that is, de- is dedicating itself to get out the Word of God as much as possible and as cheaply as possible. And so for less than a dollar, you can go on this website, and, you can, and even t- sometimes free, you can hear messages from God's Word from very capable speakers. They are that dedicated to doing that. And I believe that it's God that's saying this to us. He's saying to the world. He says, there's no reason why you should not know about me. There is no reason in this world, cost or otherwise, that you ought not be able to know how much I love you, how much I care about you, how much grace and mercies I want to show upon you. God is in the business of communicating with us. He is not impersonal. He is not aloof. But he wants to be personal and close to us. And the message of Christmas is from God to us. All right? Now, the next thing is, you'll notice that the message of Christmas is one of joy for all people. This is also found in verse 10. You notice here, when the angel describes this, his mission, he says, For behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Now, let's take this apart. He says, first of all, it's good news. Now, at the time the shepherds heard this, it was all bad news. It was all bad news, all right? And so what was happening was that there was suffocating oppression, there was blatant injustice, and there was rampant greed, This was the culture of the day. Everybody was looking out for themselves. Everybody was trying to get as much as they could, as fast as they could. And so this was the time that they lived in. Good news was scarce, and and it was most welcomed. Our times today are filled with some of the same things. But now... Our news is filled with new dangers and news of death and debt. There is a hunger for good news. And the message of Christmas is it. The message of Christmas is it. And so, as we think of this today, are you ready for some good news? Are you ready for some good news? Well, this comes through the message of Christmas. But also, look at, he says, of great joy. Now, Joy is vastly superior to happiness, okay? Joy is vastly superior to happiness. Joy is that sense of delight and pleasure and contentment that is present even in the, ap- in the presence of unfavorable circumstances. This is opposed to happiness. 
because happiness is t- uh, deeply tied to favorable circumstances, okay? And so what happens is if we are caught in really difficult times, in a real difficult situation, are you happy? Probably not. Nah, there's no happiness in there. But guess what? Even in those same unfavorable circumstances, you can have joy. You can have a peace that passes all understanding because you know that God is in control. And so when he turns around, the angel says, he says, this will be a source of great joy for you. Boy, you see how he's building this up? The angel first says, this is good news. I'm all ears. Then he says, there's be great joy. I'm there. <laughs> okay, tell me more. You know, this is, I imagine this is the reaction of the shepherds. Then he caps it off by saying, for all the people, for all the people. It is good news of great joy for all the people, Jews and Gentiles alike, all genders, all races, all cultures. There's no one here in this sanctuary today that is excluded from the good news, from the message of Christmas. None of you should be closing your ears to the message of Christmas. You can't sit out there and say, I'm too young. You can't say, I'm too good looking. You can't say, I'm less than good looking. All right? You can't say that. You can't say, I'm this and I'm that. Why? Because the message of Christmas is for who? All people. You see? And so that's why it was such a great message. It was such a great message. The message of Christmas is relevant and applicable to all of us. We should want it, know it, and embrace it. Don't leave here without quenching the fires of doubt and fear in your soul and in your heart. The message of Christmas is good news that can bring joy to whatever your situation may be and your hearts and minds to all people who will receive it and believe it. See, that's the part that we miss. That's the part that's buried under all the sales receipts. That's the part that is buried under all of the commercials on television and radio and internet and everything else that is out there. The message of Christmas is good news. Well, that brings us to the second part. The message comes from God. It brings joy to all people. But if you look at verse 7, verse 11, verse 11, we come to the meaning of Christmas. The meaning of Christmas includes the birth of Jesus Christ for us. The birth of Jesus Christ for us. Listen to verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now let's take this one apart also. Unto you is born. Now this can be translated in another way in different English translations. Just as accurate would be this translation. There has been born for you. There has been born for you. In other words, Jesus was born. The reason he was born is for you and you and you and for me and for all of us here. All of us. We like things being done for us, don't we? Come on, nod your heads. You know, come on, admit it, you know. I know some of us, you know, we can't 
bring ourselves to do that. But it's true. We like people to do things for us, right? And so the Bible says Jesus was born for you, okay? And so what happens here is that as human beings, sometimes we don't recognize this. Sometimes we don't uh, uh, appreciate this. Whatever people do for us. You know, we're just human beings. That's the way we are. And so sometimes that happens. Our family and loved ones may shop and sacrifice for just the right gift for us. For Christmas, for example. There may be some of us in this room, you said, I got to get that special gift. I got to get that special gift. And so you're willing to endure the crowds and you're willing to endure fighting all the people off to get that one item that's on sale and all that kind of stuff, right? Because that's the perfect gift for X, Y, or Z, right? That's the way we are, you see? But then we bring that gift to the person that we worked so hard to get it for and the person just says, oh, I was hoping for a whatever, you know. Or someone just says, they just unwrap it and throw all the paper all over the place, and they say, where's the next one? Where's the next one? Where's the next one? You see? Come on, some of you did that this morning, all right? I, 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 I can see it on your faces. But that's what happens, right? So we don't always recognize or appreciate things that are done for us. Let me give you an example, okay? My wife. I use her because I can't use you, all right? <laughs> My wife, she cooks for me and our seven kids, and now our 16 grandchildren, you know? And so we may not recognize or fully appreciate all the effort expended for us, but, but, when we do recognize it and we do appreciate it, the food tastes much better, right? The effort is there the sacrifice was there and so when you think about the birth of Christ think about it when he says Jesus was born for you for you for you and you and you and me and all of us well as you go a little bit further we understand that the meaning of Christmas includes this important point that Christ was born for us, but we have to move on. And so we move to the latter half of verse 11. The meaning of Christmas includes our need for Jesus Christ and his role in our lives. I am so, so, so ever thankful that God instructed his angel to complete the sentence, to complete the verse, because he says... For you, for, un, for you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I want you to notice here these three titles and, or names that are ascribed to Jesus. Now the funny thing is much of the world does not know these names. But they're very important. They're very, very important. So when Jesus was born, he was just not an ordinary person, an ordinary child. Okay? And so the first title that is ascribed to him is a savior. And that naturally engenders the question why? Why do I need a savior? From what am I being saved? How does this work? That is probably, more, these are three of the most common questions that people have on their mind when they hear the gospel. All right? The first one, a savior. 
Why? All of us have sin. That's why. All of us have sin. If you look at your, on the monitor there, you'll see Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of God's standard of righteousness and holiness. We've slipped up. We messed up. We failed. You see? We didn't make the grade. For some people, this is a hard concept to understand because most people out there would say, I'm a very moral person. I'm a very good person. What are you talking about? You see? But if you look at such verses as Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. You see? As good as we think we may be and as good as we may be, it's not perfect. And in God's book, that's enough to disqualify us. Because we all sin. That's why we need a Savior. Well, what are we going to be saved from? What is it that we are going to be able to be delivered from? It's the consequences and penalty of our sins. If you look at Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it marks this out very clearly. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the wages of sin is death. This is separation from God. All right? This is separation from God. There's no other way about it. Death is separation. Loved ones from, from even our enemies, but is separation. And so we, the penalty for our sins is eternal separation from God. Well, how does this work? Well, how, why are we saved? How can we be saved? Why are, is it possible for us to be saved? It's because Christ took the penalty for us. You see, this is hard to imagine sometimes because we say, if God is going to be a righteous God, he can't just wink at our sin. He can't just stand at the door of heaven and give everybody a free pass. That would be an unjust God. That would be a God who plays favorites, if you will. But he says, no, I will stay holy by putting the penalty for people's sin upon another person. And that's what he did with Jesus Christ on the cross. If we read it earlier in Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 8. But God shows us his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, it says. He took our place. He took the penalty. Because he died, we could live. You see? You get the point? And so that's how it works. That is how it works. And the result of all this is in verses 9 through 10. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, how? By the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Now, people sit there and they'll say to themselves, okay, you've helped me understand why I need a Savior. You've helped me understand what it is I'm being saved from. You've helped me understand how it works. How is it possible? But I still don't get it. I still don't get it. So, 
I was convicted by the Lord to say, Lord, is there another place that I could go to explain this in a slightly different way so that more people in the sanctuary can understand it? And it was like God put in my mind, he says, if there's one thing that Asians understand, it's money. Okay? They understand debt and they understand profits. So why don't you take them to Colossians chapter 2 and listen to this, and starting with verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. How? By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So if you can think of it this way, because of our sin, we have accumulated a debt that has to be paid sometime, somehow, some way. And God says, I have taken that debt and I've canceled it. I've nailed it to the cross. And it's just like God had put a stamp on that debt and he says, paid in full. You understand it better now? You got it? You see, that's what God has done for us. That's why we need a Savior. But then he goes on, he says, they call him Christ. Who's Christ? Well, this title, Christ, refers to the promised one, the Messiah, the great deliverer. Back, way back, way back, way back in the Old Testament, God promised that someday I will send my people a deliverer And he will deliver people from their sins, but he will also establish his kingdom on earth by saying that Jesus Christ is Christ. He is saying he is that promised one. God was keeping his promise. And someday Christ is going to come back. And when he comes back to earth, all the wrongs will be made right, the crooked made straight, there will be power to the powerless and hope for the hopeless. That's Christ. That's Christ. So with the birth of Christ, God was keeping his promises. But then the last title, mm, this one holds great significance. It says the Lord. Literally, the Lord means master. Okay? And most often in the Bible, it's referred to and it comes to mean that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Let's make no excuses for that. Jesus is God. Okay? Don't ask me to explain it. It's the part of the teaching of the Trinity, and I probably would just confuse you if I tried. But the point is, Jesus is God. And what kind of God do we have? He is worthy to be Lord over our life, to be the master over our life. Because the Bible tells us that someday He is the one to whom all of us will give an account someday. Romans chapter 14. We will all give an account. You, 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 me, we'll all stand before God. And we'll have to give him an account. We'll have to explain to him what we did, why we did it, and all of this kind of stuff. Nobody will escape. He's the God to whom all of us will bow. Philippians chapter 2 tells us this. 
Oh, we may stand now straight as a rod. We may shake our fists in the hands of God and we can say, I will, I'm my own man. I will do what I want to do it, the way I want to do it, when I want to do it. We might do that now. But guess what? There will come a day when all of us will bow our, bend our knee to God. We will recognize His Lordship. He is the one who should be the Lord over our lives. Chapter 14, verses 7 through 9. So, the meaning behind Christmas includes Christ being our Savior. The fulfillment of God's promise of a deliverer and a king. And it also involves Christ being God, being the Lord of our life. Now, you don't hear much of this, right? You go down to Orchard Road, you won't see too many store displays or signs out there declaring this message and meaning of Christmas, right? What they'll probably declare is, come over here, we'll sell it to you cheaper than the guy down the block. You know, that's, you'll, that's what you'll see. Or they'll want you to come into their store and sample all the great goodies they have and all of this kind of stuff. They'll wow you and dazzle you with all of the things that are available. Where's the message? Where's the meaning? Uh, I haven't seen it in a while. That's why you're here today. That's why God brought you here. That's why he brought us all together. So, what you do next is really important. What you do next is really important. Now that you know about the message and meaning of Christmas... What will you do about it? What will you do about it? Hmm. What will you do about it? Let me tell you a reflection that one pastor made about the Christmas story. I hadn't seen this before, and I've read it many, many times, many, many books, but I thought this was astounding and astonishing. What happens is he said, Did you ever notice that when the three wise men asked King Herod where the Christ child was, Herod was freaked out. He was in a panic. He was in a panic. Because he, number one, he's king. Who's this other king? <laughs> Who's this other king on the scene? And so he called together all the resident theologians in his court, and he says, who is this guy? Who is this other king? Where is he born? Where can we find him? And unanimously tells us in Matthew 1 that all of the resident theologians in Herod's court said, Bethlehem, Bethlehem. Now, it's astounding to me that with all the knowledge that the theologians had, there is no indication that one of, not one of them was at the manger. Not one of them even dared to go to Bethlehem to investigate. You see? They knew a lot, but they did nothing. They knew a lot, but they did nothing. Now, let's fast forward. Let's turn a couple of pages. And what happened is you come up against the shepherd, the lowly shepherds, okay? And there they were, just watching their sheep by night. The angel of the Lord had to come and speak to them 
And he told them where the Christ child was. Maybe they didn't know. Maybe they weren't so up on their theological knowledge and everything. But what was astounding was their reaction to what they did know. The scripture tells us in Luke chapter 2, verses 15, 16, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went in haste. They heard, they believed, and they immediately acted upon it. Boom! <laughs> they were there. They got there as fast as they could. What you do next is very important. You just heard about the message and the meaning of Christmas. Now what will you do about it? If you have questions, doubts, or fears about Christmas or Christ, then I invite you, I invite you to come to me or Pastor Bobby or one of the pastors or one of the elders in the church and we will be happy to hear your questions and your doubts and your fears and to address them accordingly. Okay? If you are ready to accept Christ today as your personal Savior by acknowledging your need of Christ for a Savior from your sin and believe that Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave for your sins, come, let us know and we can help we can help you grow in your new faith. Come and share that with us. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Come to us. If you have already accepted Christ as your personal Savior, make Him the Lord of your life. In all your attitudes and actions, live the life of faith daily in every situation God brings into your life. And above all, share the good news with everyone that you possibly can. All right? What you decide to do next is really important. When the shepherds went and found Mary, the Christ child, Joseph at the manger, they were exceedingly blessed and filled with joy. You may be wondering right now in your life, why is it that I'm so sad all the time? Why is it that all the situations of life in my home, in my work, in my school, get me down so badly? Because you haven't found the Christ of Christmas. See? And so what you do is up to you. And it's also very important. The message of Christmas is a message from God that was intended to bring great joy to you and to all people. The meaning of Christmas means Jesus was born for you so that you would have a Savior, Christ, and Lord. I want to get very personal at this time. I am so glad that all of you are here. And I wish with all my heart I could have SMSed each and every one of you. I could have written a personal credit, a Christmas card to each and every one of you. Shoot, I wish I could afford to give each and every one a gift. But this will have to do. 
May you all have a blessed Christmas and New Year filled with joy because of what God has done and why He did it. Let's pray. Father, today we are so thankful for Christmas. We don't want to let it stop in some respects if there were 364 other days like today we would be much better off as a world, as a society, as a group of people, and as individuals. Why? Because then we would commemorate and celebrate the true meaning, message and meaning of Christmas. Thank you, dear Father, for being born for us that we may have a Savior. And we pray all this in His almighty name, Jesus Christ. Amen.